how will broadcast industry trade shows look on the other side of the pandemic? Will they be leaner, less important? I'm Michael Depp, and this is Talking TV, the podcast that features smart conversations about the business of broadcasting. This week, I'm with Jeff Rosica, CEO of Avid, talking about his company's decision to skip its conference appearances this year, including NAB and IBC. We'll talk about the broader implications of that for the industry in just a moment. Welcome, Jeff Rosica, CEO of Avid. Uh, thanks, Michael. Great, really enjoy being here and glad, glad to be here. So, Jeff, Avid's rationale on sitting out the 2022 uh, trade show circuit is essentially about safety and expense, isn't it? It sure is. I think for us, it really was two things. One is, I think, you know, obviously, it's good news that we're starting to see at least this latest um, situation with the Omicron, you know, obviously coming back down to uh, a more reasonable level. But I think we're still concerned looking out. I mean, I think if, if you if we asked each other a year ago, is COVID almost over, we probably would have both said yes. And look what's happened over the last year. Um, I think as we look out over 2022, for me, it's still and for our company and our team, it's still a bit murky or a bit uh, opaque is what really is how things are going to play out this year. So we've done a lot of soul searching, thinking about how things are going to play out. We're obviously worried that there's still being me, me more ahead uh, with COVID, especially if you think about a global scale. I know we're going to talk about major trade shows. These major trade shows are about attracting, you know, attendees from all over the world. And if we look at a 22, we, we weren't really sure that we could, I think, really see how things are going to play out in a, in a safe and, and reasonable way. So yeah, so we took the decision based first and foremost on safety to make sure that we could operate in a very safe manner and and not have a lot of disruption or risk uh, with our employees, our partners, or our uh, customers. But also, it is the financials too. Is that you know when you're facing a situation like this where it's really kind of unknown as to how things are going to play out and how things are going to work out. Um, we had to also make decisions based on, do we really think that our marketing dollars in that area this year is the right decision if we saw risk and we saw potential disruptions in the future? Right, right. Well, I mean, obviously the successive waves of COVID and the impacts they've had on canceling shows has been extremely disruptive for everybody. Just how costly has this been for Abbott? Well, I think two things is one is, um, I don't know if it's actually been costly. I'd say we, as an organization, we we really believe in NAB and IBC and organizations like that and what they do and for our industry. And for me personally, I know for a lot of our team, I, I love these shows and love to be at them to meet all of our customers and partners in person. Um, so we do miss that for sure. I mean, that's that's those shows, there's nothing like them to be able to see so many people in one place. But I think we really adapted quite well. I think when we looked at, you know, innovation and really how do we accelerate innovation during the pandemic? And then how do we get that information in front of customers? We learned a lot. I think a lot of vendors learned a lot around, you know, how you do things virtually, how you do a lot more with content, how you do a lot more with, um, you know, different kinds of events, digital events and digital marketing. So we learned a lot in the, in the pandemic. I think that we learned lessons that we'll never forget and will we'll be part of our, uh, our company as we market and, and sell going forward. Well, you have adapted pretty dramatically to interact with your customers in alternative contexts over the last couple of years in a number of ways. So what's working best for you on that front? Uh, I'd say it's a mix. We're definitely learning things. I think the first thing I would say is that 
We do think that while you know we support really major trade shows like NAB and IBC, and, and I want to be clear, when we when what we announced is that we weren't going to go to the big global shows because those for us were the ones that were the most risky, uh, whether that's safety or or to be honest, uh, you know, return on investment because of the situation that we're in as an industry uh, and as a world. Um, but I think that you know, getting closer to customers and regional events, uh, up close, in fact, I'm going to the HPA event, going to be speaking along with other avid people are going to be in the, at the HPA tech retreat in Palm Springs. So we, we believe in these kind of localized, regionalized events because they're, they're easier to manage. I think they're safer. And to be honest, we can adapt to what's going on around the world because if you're, if you're in country or in city, you can adapt to what's going on in that space. But we really see a lot of value in that. We've learned a lot with smaller events. We're also doing a lot more. We've we've had an executive briefing center for large enterprise customers here in our headquarters. We invested a lot of money to refurb that during the um, during the pandemic or the later part of the pandemic. So that's almost ready to go. Um, we do a lot more big briefings in our headquarters. One you know with one on one with customers, and then really I think everyone's learning around digital programs to engage people, inform people, educate people. Uh, you know a lot more thought leadership like I just talked about HPA. Um, and, and just a lot more, I think, content marketing. People like the fact that they can, if they can't make it to a major trade show, that we're having to produce a lot more videos and audio content that really helps people. And I think, I don't think customers want to give that up. I think they like that part of what they experienced during the pandemic. And so we definitely have to keep that as a very strong part of our mix going forward. And, and we've learned how well those tools work and, and we've learned what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Well, you intend to be back at the major shows in 2023, but what do you think will be different? Oh, the mix will be different. I don't think we'll go back to major trade shows quite as big as we have before. Definitely we'll go back to obviously demonstrate, you know, and, and, and make connections with, with customers. Um, but I, I think we'll put less of our investment in those major trade shows for some time. I, I really don't think we're going to go back to where we were. I think we'll spend more on regional local events. Um, and, and so that obviously has to come from somewhere. It'll, it'll mean that we'll probably put a somewhat smaller footprint at uh, major trade shows, but we'll increase the footprint locally and regionally. And we'll continue to invest, uh, continue to invest heavy in, in content and digital marketing and, and virtual events too, because those, even though the major trade shows do give us a very big footprint to customers, it only gets us to a portion of the industry, you know, being able to connect to anybody anywhere around the world and doing that through virtual events and through digital marketing and, and content marketing. Um, I think that's a real advantage for companies. I think we've all learned that that's an important part of our mix. Well, how do you see shows like NAB and IBC looking and functioning differently for everyone after the pandemic? I think they have to evolve. I mean, if they, if they came and asked me, I'd give them a lot of opinions about what I think they need to do. I think that the more they focus on either in a regional events globally or more, more local events rather than one big event uh, on, on a global scale, I think it's something they should consider because I think it, 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 it can eventually attract more people because you know people may be able to fly from Paris to, to London to a show, but they may not be able to fly to Las Vegas. Um, and so... I think you know doing things. I think more regional, not just for that reason, but also I think people's patterns, people's ex expectations, their desires, their patterns have changed. I'm not sure everybody wants to jump on a plane and fly halfway around the world to go to a trade show, and so I think the cons consideration that they should think about is: should they move to a more regional model or a different kind of model? Should they move to more digital and 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 um, virtual events? I mean. You know, only the people that get to go to NAB are the ones that jump on an airplane and fly to Las Vegas. But imagine if we can, instead of bringing tens of thousands of people to Las Vegas, 
if we can get to hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions of people, live digital from the show, it's not just NAB's responsibility or IBC, it's just vendors. We have to change the way we communicate, the way we engage, the way we demonstrate tools. So I think there's a lot to be learned here. And I think as an industry, we should look at this pretty closely because I think we're gonna to have to adapt. The, the world will not go back to the way it was. I think I'm sure you've heard that a hundred times, but I really believe nothing's gonna go back to the way it was. We're gonna to have to adapt going forward. Yeah, it's gonna be very interesting to see how this evolves in, in various increments. Well, while I've got you here, let me ask about a few other things, avid related things. Um, the Let me ask you first about cloud-based editing. Um, is it ready to be used for day-to-day -day news production by broadcasters? I know the Hollywood production community is starting to use it, but where is it with news? Yeah, I think, well, first of all, I think cloud editing, that's a, um, I would say a loaded term, but it's a, it, it's some degree a generic term we're learning. There's different kinds of ways that people leverage the cloud to edit. Some people in newsrooms leverage the cloud just to connect remote, uh, you know, workers or remote contributors through the cloud, and they may be they may have a lot of the content on their on their desktop device or on their you know, their Mac or their or their Windows device or something else. Um, and but they're probably using the cloud to get additional content to, to edit to, to do things so there's there's ways in which cloud can enable remote workers or uh, or distributed teams for participating and i think that technology is moving very fast we just announced uh, nexus edge which is a really unique way that proxy workflows and the way remote workflows are going to work and how people can mix between what they're doing remotely and what they're doing you know in the facility or in the studio and that's that's applicable to all markets, whether you're in news or sports or, or entertainment production like Hollywood. Um, then there's like real, uh, I would say real, but you know where you're actually everything is in the cloud, and that's edit on demand for us. And that's a product that all of the pro, all of the applications and the content are in the cloud, and you're basically connecting to that uh, cloud instance through uh, an HTML interface and through basically a, a desktop sharing tool. And so uh, that does work too. And, and for certain workflows, Hollywood for sure, but but also a lot of entertainment workflows, but um, people doing documentaries, doing people doing any kind of content production, it's very useful. I'm not sure it's there yet for news because news is a little faster paced environment, um, right. but but it, it's close. We're, we're very close to bringing even those solutions to, to a newsroom environment. How close is close? Uh, in 2022. Okay. Okay. Great. What about your software as a service business? How's that going? And I know subscription revenue growth gave your stock a big bump last year. Yeah. Well, I think so. Our subscription business is both a traditional software subscription business where you download from the cloud, but you download a piece of software and use it on your Mac or your laptop. That business is, continues to be very, very strong. And that's across all of our creative tools. So that's really more on-prem or on, on device uh, type of subscription service. Um, where the software is downloaded, but you're really operating it, you know, on the on the device or on the server, um, and that business continues to be very very strong. And as we move to the enterprise, we, we've been doing the creative tools for creative individuals for many, you know, what three, four, well, over four years now. Uh, we just in 2021 launched Media Central and other enterprise solutions on subscription uh, to those type of you know small, medium, up to very large customers, and that's. We've seen explosive growth with, with that during 2021. Um, as we've, you know, and then SaaS, true SaaS, where it really is software as a service. Um, that's what our edit on demand product is. That is basically software as a service. So it's also infrastructure as a service, but it's it's a SaaS offering. That um, you know, our, our subscription business is, is growing 
very quickly as an organization that's helping to grow the company. SaaS is just starting its leg of growth um, with, you know, last year we really saw a, a first meaningful year of, of SaaS revenue. But I just say that you know, those are growth engines for us, whether it's a creative tool uh, and a subscription, the enterprise subscription, or now SaaS uh, like uh, on demand, um, they're, they're going to be pretty strong growth engines for us for years to come. And finally, how are supply chain issues continuing to impact Avid? It's an interesting world out there. Obviously, you know, we're all facing supply chain issues. Um, I'm, I, I made a joke with some friends, but it's true. Is my wife decided to redecorate our master bedroom. It's taken 12 months to get everything delivered. It's unbelievable. Even if you want like a plant, it can take you six months to get a pot. Try getting a refrigerator right now. Oh, I know. It's, I had to do a dishwasher and it was a nightmare. But, um, you know, so we've, look, we've navigated 21 pretty well. Our team, I think, is working probably three times as hard on the supply chain just to deliver the same product because they're, they're doing so much work to deal with, you know, getting new components or different components or re-engineering components into our products when, when something's not available. So it definitely is a more difficult environment. We navigated pretty well in 2021, even through, through the whole year, we saw our team was able to navigate it quite well, but we weren't able to deliver everything we wanted to deliver because there was some constraints from the supply chain, especially on upside uh, opportunities. Um, in 22, I think it'll be more of the same. We're gonna have to work really hard and work through it. We have had to deal with, um, you know, we're, we're on many products, we're, we're on some constraints and, and we're bringing, uh, let's say, um, we're on allocation often with some of our products to customers, but overall, the team's been able to deliver pretty well. Costs have gone up, Michael. I mean, it's it's uh, we've had to do a couple of price increases in late 21 just because of, you know, I, I always try to, you know, minimize any, you know, moving costs to our customers. I always try, the last thing I want to do is move, you know, price increase to our customers, but the situation is, uh, you know, a lot more difficult out there. Prices are going up significantly in the supply chain. So we did have to make some some price increases last year to adapt to the situation. I hope I hope it corrects in the future, but so far it's still looking like more of the same this year. Well, I was going to ask, do you see any hope of these knots untangling in early 23? Yeah, I think, I think it'll be across 23. I think it's, you know, some of these chip shortages are going to take years to work out because it takes years to build a fab uh, factory or to build get some of these chips into into, into production. So it, it'll take a while. But, um, you know, I think as we go through 22, it'll get better and better. I think we get into 23, we'll still be dealing with some some issues. Um, but, you know, it, I think over time, it'll continue to resolve itself. Okay. Jeff Rosica, CEO of Avid, thanks so much for your insights and for being here today. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you having me. Thanks. And see you all next time on Talking TV. A new episode of Talking TV is available most Fridays on tvnewscheck.com. You can also listen and subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify.